Praise God. Ephesians 4, verse 7. Let's look at that. I've had a... Well, before we... I'll, let me read this, these verses and then I'll, I'll say a few things. Ephesians 4, verse 7. It says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who ascended is also the one who, or descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So we're going to go back and read some of this, but in verse 7 and 8, it's talking about that God gave gifts unto men. And I want to talk to you, uh, this has been rolling around in me for quite a while, and uh, you know, but we just endeavored to be led, and we were on different series and didn't want to interject this. But, you know, just been rolling on around in me for a while. Just to talk about the role of a pastor. The role of a pastor. Verse 7 says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So God gave gifts to men. Let's skip down to verse 11. It says, He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So this we would call what, what is, is sometimes called the five-fold ministry. If you go back to verse 11. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And sometimes, you know, the way that's in the end there, pastors and teachers, sometimes those kind of go together. A pastor is either going to preach or teach, but oftentimes has a teaching gift. But then there are people that aren't called to be pastors, but are, are teachers in the body of Christ. And that doesn't mean they have a worldwide teaching ministry either. There's people that can teach, but it's just in the local body, and that's what they're called to, and that's just fine. Some people think, well, if I'm called to teach, then I'm called to teach worldwide or to the greater body. That's not true. It's just there's different, um, different callings, and it's like that with, with all these things. But so we're not going to talk about apostles and prophets and, uh, and evangelists and specifically teachers. I want to talk about pastors, but, but we will touch on some of these things. But these will be known as a five-fold ministry, people that are full-time in the ministry. In, uh, ministry. But it talks about what their purpose is. Note, number one, they are gifts. And God sets them 
in the body of Christ. In, in verse 8, it says, he, he gave gifts to men. So these are gifts. Verse 11 says, And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for what? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So they are given, all of them are giving for the equipping of the body of Christ, for the equipping of the saints. Do you know you're a saint? If you're born again, you're a saint. A saint is not a special class of Christian. Over and over in the gospel or in the, the epistles, it says to the saints at Ephesus. To the saints. You know, I, I don't know which ones where it actually says saints or not, but these different places where just look at it, it's talking about Christians. This is not like, you know, you need to go through some qualification process to be a saint. There's a misunderstanding. Some, some you know, organizations uh, put this, this title on people, but it's just, it, just look, read the Bible. It's over and over just saying, you'd basically say to the Christians. If somebody could write us an email to the, to the, the Christians at, you know, in Andover or surrounding areas. That, that's, that's all it is. So saints, for the equipping of the saints. So that, you need to know that's you. That's not some special superclass of Christian. Equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that's why these gifts are given. Let's go ahead. We're going to read some. Of, I'm just going to read down through some of this and read some other scriptures, and then we'll say some more things as we're getting into this. But there's so much just in Ephesians that uh, just need to comment a little bit as we're starting. For the equipping of the saints, so these gifts are giving for the equipment are given for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse thirteen: Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Notice that we'll touch on these things more, but notice. There's another reason that you're not flailing around, getting pushed around everywhere with every wind of doctrine, but you're solid, you're stable, you're mature, you grow up. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. So we're supposed to grow up. We're supposed to be equipped. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So the point is we want the body of Christ and local bodies to be strong and built up and secure in who they are in Christ and what they're doing in the plan of God for them. And these ministry gifts were given for that purpose. Now it says in verse 8, he gave gifts. Donald G., who's a Bible teacher, he taught extensively on the ministry gifts and the gifts of the Spirit. He said, if God gave, then there can be no divinely ordained ministry without his giving. I'm going to say that again. So it says he gave gifts. He gave these ministry gifts. He gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Donald G., he said, if God gave, then there can be no divinely ordained ministry without his giving. In other words, you can't call yourself to any of these things. God gave it. You can't, you can't, you can't just say, well, I'm, I'm such and such. It's not, it, 
the callings of God, this really goes with everything, but here we're talking about Scripture in context, you know, talking about these specific um, ministry roles. You can't go to school and become one of these things, these callings, these offices. No, no body of, of, no man can call you. Your pastor can't call you. Your parents can't call you. Somebody could say, oh, I think you're this. doesn't mean anything. It's God who calls. And God who equips. Period. You can't put yourself in any role. But in this specifically, you're talking about supernatural equipment. And you can't call yourself. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Notice, who set the members? This is in context talking about the whole body of Christ. We're not going to take time to read that whole passage now. But it's saying here, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as he pleased. Now God has set the members. So he does it. He's the one that calls. He's the one that anoints. You can't appoint yourself. You don't enter into the ministry because somebody called you. You, don't, you go to Bible school, that doesn't make you a minister. Did you hear me? doesn't. Only God can set you. Well, I really want to be. Somebody, you know, see, in this day and age, I'm just going to say some things, you know, this morning as we're into this. I'm going to read more scripture as we're going on, but... There's so much here. You know, it, it seems like in the 70s, 80s, especially 80s, 90s, you know, from what, looking back, and you know, I was in some of that, but, I, uh, you know, growing up, and then especially 90s, um, after Raymond had gotten going, you know, the charismatic movement was in the 70s, and there, there began to be this thing where, because, you know, I had the teaching ministries like Brother Hagin and you know, when Kenneth E. Hagin Sr., and, some, and there was a lot of, just a revival of a lot of these things. There was just such a, uh, especially around uh, people that were around uh, Word of Faith and uh, charismatic circles, that people really desired to be ministers. Like, and not other stuff. Like, they would go to Rhema, and it was like, just like this five-fold ministry, is like, you know, just thinking, I, I want to be one of these things. And like discounting other stuff. And we've, you've heard us, if you, if you haven't heard some of these things um, that we've taught on, you know, we talked about, um, what was the, I'm blanking on the, the title of the, the, um, the, the series that we did last year about, you know, sharing the gospel. Commission, yeah. We're all commissioned to do something. We're all commissioned. You know, by, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to do what God told you to do. You can't really choose to do something else. Well, there's, you know, if God calls you to do something, that's what you need to do. But, you know, in, the, in, in certain times, people are like, oh, oh I want to be, like, it, it's really great if you're one of these ministry gifts. I want to be one of those things. Well, you don't see that so much today in one respect, but you see a lot of independent stuff popping up all over where people, in, in one regard, they don't want to do it in the church. But in another regard, people are popping up left and right thinking they want to do that. But there's a whole lot of people that don't want to have nothing to do that, and they just want to do natural things. 
So the, the, the situation has changed in the world. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But the, po- the point is, you can't call yourself. You don't, you don't call yourself to anything, whether it's natural or, or spiritual, but this is spiritual equipment. You can't go and study and say, okay, now I'm a pastor, now I'm a prophet, now I'm an evangelist, etc. It is, it is uh, supernatural equipment. Let's look at Matthew 9, verse 35. We may say some more about that. I'm talking specifically about the role of the pastor. Why, why are we talking about this? Because it affects you. <laughs> we don't just talk, we're not talking about this just, just in relation just to talk about it. So that we can, It's not an academic class. It's what, we want to know things that affect us and how we can cooperate with uh, what God is doing. Let's look at Matthew 9, verse 35. This is talking about Jesus. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Notice that. Jesus said, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. It didn't say like sheep having no evangelist or apostle or prophet or even teacher. It says shepherd. Mark 14, verse 27. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus is talking about himself. Notice it says, I'll strike the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. So talking about it likens throughout the word, uh, for better or for worse, uh, Christians are likened to sheep. We're... We're all sheep. And that's not somebody's opinion. That's the Bible. So take it as you will. That applies to everyone. You can say, I'm not a sheep, but God said you're a sheep. Said, I'm a sheep. Okay, so, and all that entails. And it's a really good analogy. In so many ways. And we'll see that over and over. I mean, this is... This is uh, this is how the Lord describes it. Look at Hebrews. Uh, now we're going to go to John 10, 10. Now, I'm going to read you some, some verses here describing Jesus. Everybody say, I'm a sheep. Because if you don't say that right now, you're rebelling against what God said. Are you a goat? You something else? No, you want to be a sheep. Just, just, just agree that we're, we're sheep. And I'm going to be the best sheep I can. <clears throat> John 10.10. 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Okay, let's look at Mark 14.27. We're going to say some things, but just, just got to lay some groundwork. Mark 14, 27. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble 
No, that's the wrong one. Let's read um, Hebrews, sorry. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, notice that. The Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good word, work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm just going to read this. We'll comment more, but notice what it's saying. Let's read 20 and 21. May the God of peace, notice how this is. May the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep. So Jesus is the great shepherd. We read he's the good shepherd. Here it says he's the great shepherd. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, it's saying God, who brought Jesus through this covenant, Verse 21, may he make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, who is the great shepherd, to whom glory be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he's a good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. Look at 1 Peter 5, verse 4. It says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory... That does not fade away. Now, we're going to come back and read those verses in context. But notice, it says, when the chief shepherd appears. So, the Bible says, Jesus is the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. So, Jesus is the shepherd of his sheep. Amen? Amen? He is the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd. He is the one that is looking over, overseeing his flock, the universal, the body of Christ, the church. He's the shepherd. Let's look at Matthew verse 16, 16 verse 17. Now let's just go down. We're going to go to 1 Peter 5, verse 1. We'll read this, the rest of this part in context then. It says, the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. So he's saying, I, he's talking about elders, overseers. He's talking about pastors. We can go into this, but the word elder in the Bible, it simply means an older person. And we could go into that, how the church you know, got going. But when it started, there was the 12 apostles. And then they got, and then, you know, you have Paul, they started getting the church moving, but you had all baby Christians. Think about it. So they would start a church, go to the next place. Well, they would appoint the person that had the most natural experience, elders, to get it going. But over time, as the church got going, there were people then that were, that came up that were actually called to be shepherds, pastors, that grew up, and then they took over like Timothy. But in the, so it's not talking about elders like older people running the church that have no call of God specifically to run the church. That's not what it's talking about. It's to, when you see elders, it's talking about people that are called into the ministry. Like here, the elders who are among you, I exhort, who am a felder elder, Peter, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. 
serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So he's saying to the elders, to the people that are over flocks, he says, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God. Now we're going to read some more about that, but I want you to see one thing and we'll come back to verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So he's saying, shepherd the flock of God is among you. And he says some other things, which we'll touch on. But then he said, and then when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown. So he's saying, there are under shepherds. A pastor is an under shepherd under the chief shepherd. So Jesus is the chief shepherd. Jesus is pastoring, is the shepherd over all of all of, uh, the body of Christ. But there are those that are called to be pastors. The word pastor is like in the King James Version, New King James, is only used once in the entire Bible, and it's in Ephesians that we read earlier. But you see, shepherd, it, shepherd is used a lot. An overseer, bishop, that's a different word, but it, it all goes together. But in, in some translations, other translations, modern translations, they do use the word pastor, but it all comes down to this. It's an under-shepherd. It's just one that is called to be uh, under the Lord Jesus to shepherd the, the, the body of Christ, the local body of Christ. Now, if we look at verse 2, it says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. I know we're reading a lot of scripture and then we'll start getting into some things, but it, we can't say a lot unless we read some of this. Shepherd the, the flock of God, which is among you, serving at, not serving as overseers or serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. The word shepherd there means to feed, partly. It means to feed and to guide along. In the Young's Literal Translation, in the King's James, it, it says feed. The Young's Literal Translation says, Feed the flock of God that is among you, overseeing, not constrainedly, this is old language, but willingly, neither for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. But the beginning says feed. In the, um, I'm going to read you something from the, the Vines Dictionary. When we look at overseer and, and uh, what it's talking about um, feeding, a shepherd's one who tends herds or flocks, not merely one who feeds them. It is used metaphorically of Christian pastors, quote-unquote, pastors guide as well as feed the flock. So here it's talking about feeding, and then you're talking about guiding. Jesus is the chief shepherd. So the pastor's role is to, number one, feed, feed Christians, feed believers, feed sheep, 
the Word of God, and then number two, to lead. That doesn't mean to be a dictator. It doesn't mean to control lives. It means, like it says here in uh, 1 Peter 3, it says, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So number one, to feed the Word of God. Uh, uh, the, The pastor's primary role is to feed, prepare good meals, to feed the Word of God so that believers can be built up spiritually because it's actually spiritual food. We are a spirit being. We have a soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. Just like you feed your natural body, we feed our, our spirit, spiritual food, which is the Word of God. So number one, to feed the, the Word of God to Christians. But then number two, shepherd, to to oversee. Now, there has been so much weirdness over time in the body of Christ over the whole spectrum of this. There was a movement back in, I don't know, decades ago called the shepherding movement where people basically controlled other people's lives. You know, where the elders of the church, pastors of the church, people looked to them to control their lives. That is not biblical. That is not what's in the word of God. But there is a, you are basically, uh, as an under-shepherd, you're feeding, and then you are just facilitating people to, to move on with the plan of God with their life. They, they, they may be involved in a number of things outside the four walls of the church, may be involved in a number of things within the four walls of a church. They may have giftings that come up. You don't call them to do anything. But... They, they may be developing those things in the church with people. And part of the pastor's role is to just set the direction and lead. And then as people come along, as people look um, and are walking with God and uh, being built up in the word and being uh, led by God, th- there's a channel where they can go more and more in the plan of God for their life. So to feed and to lead. Let's look at 1 Peter 2, verse 1. 1 Peter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Notice, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow. So you're going to grow as you get the word of God in your life. Without the word of God, you're not going to grow as you ought to grow. Amen? Now you can read the Bible. Of course, you should have personal devotions and read on your own. But... God gave the fivefold ministry so that we would come to the full stature so that we would grow up and be, when it says perfect, perfected, that means matured. And part of that is exactly what we're doing now is in this environment, there is uh, the word going forth with the Holy Spirit specifically so that we get the word that we need in due season so that we grow up in the things of God. And that's what coming to church When we say coming to church, we are the church. When we gather together, 
God set it up so that we would grow up and be strong in Him. He is the shepherd, but He put mechanisms in the body of Christ to facilitate that. And there is so much, I mean, in this day and age, where people don't, don't esteem what God has put in place. And they, they want to do it their own way. I'm just going to say some things this morning because it's reality. You know, people think that if, if, uh, if I'm just off by myself watching, and especially, good night, now after the pandemic, I was just talking to somebody yesterday. You know, in, um, we were talking, an old colleague, and, um, you know, we are talking about what I was doing now and, you know, pastoring and all the, um, the pandemic and all that stuff and streaming. And he was like, wow. He goes, just all the, all the stuff that's available. You, I mean, you, you can tune into how many different ministries around the world at any given time. Well, that's true. But if we think that we're going to be as strong a Christian just watching services at home just from different places or just a teaching minister or just this minister or that and not be a part of a local church and not being built up with uh, the way God set it up with somebody that you call your pastor with a local body, we're, we're fooling ourselves. That's not how God set it up. And there's so much of that in the, in the world now because people basically want it their own way. And everybody thinks, ah, I can get it on my own. The problem with that is that's not what the Bible teaches. And it is not, if, if Jesus, the chief shepherd, put in equipment in the body of Christ so that we could be as built up as possible, and we say, I don't think so, I don't need that, what are we doing? We're saying, I know more than Jesus. People say, well, I don't, need, I don't need to be in the church. Well, do you need Jesus? Well, I need him, it's just me and him. But then you're discounting the system that, or the structure he put in. And so there's so much here. The, the pastor, I'm just going to say some of these things because these are the thoughts people, you know, just in, in, in our society. There's so much of this, well... Um, and I think there has been abuses in the body of Christ, like what we were talking about, certain, um, where people are very controlling and condescending, and like you go to church and the pastor's like, um, you know, trying to control your life or tell you what to do. That's not the pastor's role. The pastor's role is to give you the Word of God, and you make your own decision. We are responsible to people, not for people in the ministry. In other words, I'm responsible to you to give you the word of God, to give you good godly counsel. I am not responsible to make any decisions for you or to tell you what to do. And there's a, there's a dysfunction that has happened, you know, where people come in and it's like this, this overbearing, like, you know, basically... Somebody's telling you what to do. If you don't do it, oh, you're not being led by God and stuff. And there's a lot of, you know, culture things that people have been involved in that. And that's repulsive to a lot of people. And it should be. God doesn't do that. Does God, God will let somebody go to hell. I mean, talk about you see somebody's going over the cliff. 
literally. He's not going to twist their arm and say, bow your knee. It's good for you. That's not God. That's not how he operates. Who, who's, tell me again, who's the chief shepherd? Jesus. Well, then, if we're operating at basically, we're underneath him, he's telling us what to do, then shouldn't we act like he acts? So there is not, a pastor is not better than anybody else. We're talking, now, this applies to all these ministry gifts. But, you know, it's all the same thing. A minister is not better than anybody else, not smarter than anybody else. It is a role. It is an office. Do you hear me? It's a calling. And, you know, I'm preaching this as a pastor because, well, that's, this is part of what we need to know. But, and there's, we could talk about all the other ministry gifts. We're not talking about them. You don't, you don't elevate one or the other, but uh, that's why we have different people come in. And that's why we're affected by different ministries. You know, Brother Hagen was a teacher and a prophet, bonafide, uh, you know, uh, uh, affected the world. He was a pastor for a short period of time, but that wasn't his ultimate calling. Pastor Hagen. Kenneth E. Hagen, or Kenneth W. Hagen, some people, he's not really a junior, but he always went by junior to, just so that it was no confusion. I mean, he's called to be a pastor. He used to walk more in an evangelistic, but, and I would say, and he always, if you hear him talk, he'll like say, well, some people call me apostle, I'm not going to say anything, but the man oversees 200 and something Bible schools worldwide, uh, 100,000 plus graduates, you can call him whatever you want, he's got a lot of people that you know, look to him and honor him, well, that's a certain position. But he's also a pastor of a local church. So we could talk about those different things. But there is not, there is this, um, there's so much out in our society, especially in 2022, where, well, I I don't need to be a part of any structure, people think. And I'm just a, just as good a Christian as anybody. I don't need to be taught by anybody. That, that's not true. That doesn't mean somebody that teaches is better. That just means you're fulfilling a role. And so some people have taken it where they think, where they're, they walk in it where it's like a superiority thing. I'm going to tell you what to do, and I'm here to tell you how to get your life together. <laughs> that is not true. We're here to preach the Word of God And the Spirit of God, with the Word, by the Holy Spirit, is going to help us get our life together. You see the difference? This is not a self-help thing. This is not a, well, here, I've figured out the formula for life, and I'm going to teach it to you. Come be part of my thing. That is not, that's not what a pastor does. There have been things like that. That just sets up a whole dysfunctionality thing where somebody gets put on a pedestal and then people look at them like they're perfect. No, they're just a person like you that's walking in a call of God that God asked them to do. And they said, all right, I'll do that, which is what we all should do. So it's not that anybody is better than anybody else. When, when, we, when we talk about a role or a calling, it's not that somebody is... If, if anybody gives you ever the, the idea like, 
well, because you're in a certain office, you're better, then that is not godly, and that is not the Word of God. That is not how... Is that the way Jesus acts? No. So, we need to understand it's just, it's a structure. And if we want to be safe and we want to be walking in God's way, if He set gifts and He set structure in the body of Christ and He said, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together, then does the Word of God true or not? See, if, we're, if we take ourselves out of that and say, oh, no, I can be, I can be as good a, I mean, I can be as good a uh, Christian, I can just sit home and watch, I'm just going to get it all myself, we are discounting what the Word of God says. You guys okay? See, all of us have a call to do. We have, we've talked about this many times, but in this context, we all have something God is calling us to do. And it, they're not all the same. And you can't really do anything but what you're called to do. And if you want to fulfill what God has called you to do, then you should be a part of a local church with a pastor and a, a, a local body of believers that you call home so that you can go out and be successful in what God has called you to do. If you think you can do that, you do be successful fully in all that God's called you to do without being a part of a church, without somebody that you call a pastor, then you are fooling yourself. It is not elevating the role of a pastor. It is elevating the Word of God. Does that make sense? I mean, before I was ever... a a pastor. I had a pastor. Lincoln, Nebraska, I had a, a pastor um, there that I hooked up with, and okay, I'm going to go. It's amazing how many times I would show up, and exactly what I needed to hear would come out of his mouth. Amen. That's supernatural. I'd show up, and I'd be like, you know, like somebody said, you read my mail, and now you'd say, you read my email, or you looking at my phone. Over and over and over. I experienced that sitting in, in, in the congregation over and over. I knew what that was, and I learned to draw on it. I did not, I mean, I love my pastors. You know, we, we still talk to them to this day. But I understood it wasn't them. It was the office they were walking in because it was basically, you're, you're getting it through God. It's just the structure because Jesus doesn't walk around in the flesh now. The Holy Spirit's here, but how does the Holy Spirit work? And there is so much rebellion in the world. Nobody wants to take anything from anybody in the world. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't tell me what to do. Can God tell us what to do? Serious question. Because if we can't listen to God, I mean, we can't listen to people. I don't care what you say, you can't listen to God. Selah. That means think on it. <laughs> it's the truth. We, we got to make sure the spirit of the world doesn't get into us. Well, nobody can tell me what to do. We're rejecting God. Then I'm sure God can't tell us what to do. Again, you got to balance this because there has been so much, there has been, yes, nonsense in churches and body of Christ. I'm not calling out anybody. I'm just saying I've heard experiences. When I went to Bible school, they taught us. They said there was a shepherding movement and you don't do this. We were taught what to do from the word of God. You don't control people. But are there churches that are controlling? Yes. 
If you're getting one, run. Because that's not God. But can the Word of God... See, the Word of God will help you and correct you. The Spirit of God would correct you. You don't, if you, if some, you don't want to take responsibility for somebody else's life. If I tell you what to do, I am accountable for what I'm telling you to do. But I mean, you know, through the Word of God, it's amazing. The Word of God will put stuff, you know, into will correct you, will help you, will guide you. The Spirit of God will say stuff to your heart that I'm not saying. But He's prompting you right in the middle. People say, what? You were saying that to me. Ha! I don't even know. what's. It's like, I don't even know what you're dealing with. God will do that, though. Over and over. Amen. And you know what I had to learn a long time ago? There's things where, because as a pastor, you do know certain things about people. And so then, especially if you're flowing with the gifts of the Spirit, or even when you're preaching. The thing that's harder is, you know, you think if you're, if you're going to preach up, or if, you know, there's been times I've ministered to people, and I know some things, but I feel like there's something, the Spirit of God's ministering to them. And you've got to do as much as you can to shut it off and uh, to minister anyway. Or there's been general things where I'm ministering to the congregation, or, you know, there's a word, and I can think, I mean, it pops into my mind, oh, if I say this, somebody's going to think I'm, t- I'm saying it to them. And, but I'm like, but this is what I'm supposed to say. And I say it, and somebody that I didn't even know about comes up and goes, I'm so thankful you said that. And I'm like, I, I'm so thankful. I learned a long time ago, you say what you need to say regardless of who may think what, because <laughs> you don't know everything. And then you, you, can't, you can't squelch what God's doing. It's the Lord. He's the chief shepherd. He works by the Spirit of God. They're all one. But that's how they're working on the earth is bringing, they bring believers along just like you would a little sheep. Like we said, we're all sheep. We're going along. We need to be fed. We need to be led. That doesn't mean you need to be told everything, but the word of God, the spirit of God, godly counsel, being around believers, it'll help you get in the right place. And if we're not availing ourselves of that, then we're going to be out on our own. We're going to be not equipped the way we ought to. Praise the Lord. God is faithful. Let me say this. You know, I said, and there's so much here, we're just getting into stuff, but we said, you know, God, uh, pastors, people in the church, they don't direct your lives. And I will say this, because there's some, there's some areas where, where people are always giving a word to everybody. And it's really just, they're controlling the people's lives through a word. If you ever get a word, quote-unquote, you know, prophecy, whatever you want to call it, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, that doesn't already agree with something you have in your heart, throw it away. Did you hear me? God is never going to just tell you to do something when he hasn't already dealt with you to deal to already personally and in your heart. But he will confirm things. So you already have it. You're being led and you get something and it says something to you, confirms what you, what you are already thinking. Boom, boom, boom. 
All right, well, God will do that. But she's not going to just tell you to do something out of the blue. You're, you don't have any desire to do something or no, whatever, and some, somehow you get a word. I mean, it's confusion. I, I, it, it happens all the time. Where people are, well, I, you know, people running around giving everybody words. You don't have to be led by a word. Did you hear me? That's not the way you're led in the New Testament. And you're not going to, if it doesn't confirm something that you already have, I don't care if it was from me or somebody else. If I give you a word and it was all, I say, I can miss it. Shelly can miss it. Throw it away. Let it go. Amen. God is faithful. Let's look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. I think we'll... We're moving toward closing, but let's look at this. Second Timothy 4, verse 1 says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, be, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So this is nothing new, but this happens all the time now. Let's read it again. Let's skip to verse 2. So this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to Timothy. Young minister, young pastor, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. What does doctrine mean? Is it just a religious word? No, it means teaching. Well, they will not endure sound teaching, but according to their own desires. According to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. This is what goes on. People say, well, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear that. Oh, this guy's saying kind of what I want to hear. I'm going to tune into him. I don't want to hear. I don't want to go to church. I, I want to hear this. And how many channels and uh, avenues are there to hear whatever you want to hear now? You can hear whatever you want to hear. Pat you on the back and tell you it's true. And what does it say? 
They won't endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to what? Fables. That means stuff that's just not true. What do we get when we're hearing the Word of God preached? In the, in the, the context of a local body, people you know. See, a pastor is, give, is anointed to feed and shepherd people. That's different. It's not the person again. But the anointing, what, how Jesus is working through a pastor is actually to help us move along in our lives through the Word and through the Spirit and through that corporate anointing. That is the anointing of a pastor. And so we all need that in our lives to fulfill what God has called us to do. These other ministry gifts, they have different uh, things and they, they all augment. But if we don't have the one, we all are supposed to be called... Uh, to a, a local church, if we don't, then we, we're susceptible to exactly what it's talking about here. And what we read earlier in Ephesians, didn't get back to it, but it talked about being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Well, that's what happens. You just get, well, this person's saying this, and this person's saying this. You, know, you can get so confused just watching a few different opinions on stuff. This person's saying this and this, ooh, I like that, and I like this, and ooh, I don't know about this, but ooh, I really like this. And you, you disconnect from God's way. We're not talking about that somebody has the universal revelation that's just going to change it. We're talking about what God set up. How do you know where to go? You're led by Him to go to a place where He's called you, and that's the place that He's going to, through that structure, help to get you where you need to be. It's his plan. It is not a person. It is not a self-help program. It is not a, you know, guru. That's like, go with my method. It's not that. It is the Lord Jesus Christ has called people to stand in certain offices and then we say, where do I hook up so that then I can be part and go forward with God, what God has called me to do so I don't get turned aside to fables and things that will derail me and just I'll end up in the ditch doing something that I never intended because basically... I wouldn't say, Lord, you're right, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to be hooked up with what you're doing, and then I'm able to do what I'm called to do. God's faithful to do that, but we have a part to play. Amen.